Romans chapter 15 and 16, as we'll finish the book of Romans tonight. Um, We've been looking at the great principles of conduct for the Christian. In the preceding chapters, we've seen two of these principles, conviction and conscience. Now we see the third consideration uh, for the weaker brother. If you were with us last time we went through um, um, 14, it had young baby Christians that are called weak in the faith, and then there were the, were the older ones. And basically Paul's saying, um, make sure you don't stumble the person who's weak in the faith who thinks he can only eat vegetables and you have no problem having meat. Don't judge him. Um, love on him because he's still young in the faith. So that's chapter 14. Now we see this third consideration of the weaker brethren, a thought which is continued from chapter 14. In the first um, three verses, the subject is separation. Then we will see the consolidation of the Jews and the Gentiles into one body to glorify God. And finally, the continuation of Paul's personal testimony as the apostle to the Gentiles, to the Romans in particular. This chapter concludes uh, the major argument of the epistle to the Romans. In the final chapter, Paul will lapse back to personal relationships. So 14 and 15 really dovetail together. And when we get to 16, it's just a personal uh, message to people that he had labored with, had gotten to be very close to over the years. So let's pick it up, and we're going to read the first four verses of chapter 15. We then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to pursue ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, uh, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, and here we go, every time I mention that, I, uh, we're going to get to the place where we're going to read tonight that the Old Testament is coming up here, is so important. Well, let's, let's read it. I'll just continue on. The reproach of those who have reproached you fell on me. It's a prophecy. For whatever things were written before, what was written before? Well, it's the Old Testament. Uh, for what things that were written before were written for our learning. So the Old Testament, a lot of times in picture form, is given to us so that we will become um, um, stronger in the faith, that we may through the patience and comfort of the scriptures have hope. So on one hand, what do we have in the world? Well, on one hand, you have fear, power, control, and money. And that's where most of our country is at right now. Um, If you're born again and know the Lord, you got the other hand. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, when all is said and done, what do you have left? You have faith, you have hope, and you have love. So with all this crazy stuff going on, we can hang on to this, but still be aware and not stick our head in the sand and um, 
pretend it doesn't exist. So for the first four verses here, uh, it produces hope. And I call it the blessed hope, uh, the coming of the Lord. When these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption draws nigh. And the obvious question is, do you see these things beginning to happen? And that's an absolute yes. And so we should be looking up. This is the main thing. And when we read that these things were written for our hope, and um, uh, the scriptures give us comfort. With all the crazy stuff, we can come to a Wednesday night Bible study. We can worship the Lord. We can fellowship with one another. And um, it's like the old song, the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's not about this world. We are pilgrims, we are strangers, and we are just passing through. And, um, but if you don't know the Lord, then this is all there is. And so you're you know, holding on, hoping somehow it's gonna get better. It's not. Things are winding down. All right, verses uh, five through seven. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So in these verses right here, it's simply an exhortation that you walk in love towards one another. Um, What I see happening in the world is the divide and conquer thing going on, which is part of um, military war plans. Divide the people, get them against each other, and it'll be that easier, much easier, to do the conquering. So in a spiritual sense, it could work the same way. So Paul says there's gonna be those that are baby Christians, they're young in the faith, and they, they think it's wrong to eat meat. And they'll only eat vegetables. Um, let me just turn back to 14 and read uh, one verse. Verse 13 of chapter 14. So, so then let each one of us give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in your brother's way. Oh, you only eat vegetables? Boy, um, I'm eating pork chops and ham sandwiches tonight myself. And uh, you're throwing that in their face. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Understand that they are weak in the faith. They're born again, but they're, I talked about quite often, I'll mention justification versus sanctification. So when you get saved and you're born again, you're justified. And God looks at you as though you've never, ever sinned once. And that's called justification. But then there's sanctification. That is an ongoing process from the time that you're born again until the time that the Lord takes us home where he's doing this work in you to become more like him. Now, I want it to happen now. <laughs> and, but that's not the way the Lord works. He does it in his time and in his way. So those of you who are older in the Lord, um, 
don't flaunt your freedom that you have where a younger brother might see that and he might be stumbled. Paul says, don't go there. That's what 5 through 7 is all about. Um, but love, oh, wrong, I gotta turn the page. Um, 5 through 7, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. <clears throat> so in verses 8 through 13, um, I'll come back and comment on it. Let's read it first. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Now, we're gonna have four of them right in a row that Paul is going to refer to. The first one, for this reason I will confess you to among the Gentiles and sing in your name. Then again in verse 10 he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again in verse 11, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And here's the, the fourth one. And it's the only place in the Bible I'm aware of where Paul lays four Old Testament scriptures back to back. All of them in this case are referring to Gentiles. And Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles have hope. 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's essential. Um, We really can't walk this walk without the power of the Holy Spirit. Good place for an amen. And um, even on our best day, we're in Proverbs uh, on Monday's prayer on Saturday morning. And we just got done reading, you know, on your best day, you're gonna fall at least seven times. That's on your best day. (laughs) And either thought, word, or deed. And um, Paul and... and, um, Romans 7, he's bemoaning the fact that he knows what's right. I know what's right, and I know what's wrong. My problem is the things I should do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I should do. And then he says, O wretched man that I am, who will ever deliver me from this body of sin? And so we have this war going on 24-7, my flesh against my spirit. I know what's right, and I know what's wrong. And then it goes on to say, who can help me out? And he says in the last verse of chapter seven, oh, I thank Jesus. I thank Jesus because it's all about him. And when he said it is finished, period, it's over. And it's all about what he did and it's not dependent upon me because we can be up and down like yo-yos. But the more important verse is chapter eight, verse one, where it says, therefore, now, whenever, wherever there's a therefore, you gotta go back and read what was just before it. And it's all these things that Paul couldn't pull off on his own. And he says, therefore, there's no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So the key word there is spirit, the Holy Spirit. And um, absolute necessity 
in the Christian walk, and that's why it says there, in the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in verses 14 to 21, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Now we're gonna close the study tonight as we, we finish up Romans. We're gonna go back and look at how Acts actually ended up. And it's actually Paul being in Rome. He's writing this. This is probably being written from Corinth. And um, um, he's talking about going to places where nobody's been before. And that's what the next couple verses are all about. Uh, in, In mighty signs and wonders, by the power again of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around the world to Uh, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. To who? To the Gentiles. And so I have made my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. So basically Paul was saying, I don't want to go where somebody already is. I want to go where nobody's ever gone before but especially to the Gentiles is where I want to go. And I don't want to go there because I don't want to build upon another man's foundation. And then he quotes verse 21, to him he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall be understood. Well, I think this happens all the time, where uh, Paul says, I don't want to go to some place that's already established and try to build upon another man's foundation. That's his work. And so I want to go where nobody's been before so I can build on my own foundation. In other words, there are those who do just that. Um, And he goes on uh, to explain it uh, in these verses 20. For I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I would build upon another man's foundation. So that takes us to um, verses, let's just look at 22 and 23. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. So he's not in Rome at this time, but he wants to be. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire 
these many years to come to you. Um, So he wants to go there. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Okay, let's just stop right there. He says, um, I'm going to go to Spain, and then my plan is to make it to Rome. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, Johnny Cash and the Gospel Road, one of the best movies on the Gospel ever put out. Um, He filmed the whole thing on location in Israel. Uh, He wrote all the music for it, and he narrates the whole thing by himself. And in one of the songs that he sings, it's a Johnny Cash song, One of These Days I'm Gonna Sit Down and Talk to Paul. And it's got a really catchy Johnny Cash uh, lyrics to it. It's Johnny Cash all the way. But the reason he says that, one of these days I wanna sit down and talk to Paul, I'm gonna ask him if he ever made it to Spain. Uh, Why does he say that? Because we really don't know. This is where he gets it from. He says, I'm gonna go to Spain and I'm gonna go to Rome. There's no evidence that he ever went to Spain. So I don't know if you know it, but Johnny got his theological degree touring in the back of his bus. He's a theologian. Yes, Johnny Cash. (laughs) And um, he got his degree while he was traveling around. And um, I personally think he's one of the... um, finest musicians ever. And if you've never seen The Gospel Road, take a note, do yourself a favor. If I've watched it once, I've watched it 100, if not 200, 300 times, it's that good. But he actually um, picks up on this, which shows me his depth of knowledge of the scriptures, that um, the scripture doesn't tell us if he ever made it to Spain. Uh, I personally don't think he did. And I'll I'll get to that when we get to um, um, when he actually talks about being there. We left off in verse 25. I want to come to Rome, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Well, who are the saints in Jerusalem? Well, we're talking about the apostles. And we find here, um, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints. Well, who are these poor saints in Jerusalem? The apostles, the Christians, and the Gentiles took a special love offering, maybe like something we would do for Haiti. And um, I wanna go to Jerusalem to make sure that they receive it among the poor of the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister them in material things. So basically what he's saying, remember when Cornelius got saved, the first Gentile? Uh, Peter was preaching. They couldn't believe it. A Gentile can get saved? Uh, unbelievable. And now he's worried He's taking this love offering from Gentiles and he's going to be taking it to the, the church in Jerusalem and he's worried about some of the Jews there saying, this, this stuff came from Gentiles? 
I want nothing to do with it. So Paul is going because he wants to make sure that the package is delivered. Is everybody with me? There's this animosity, uh, not amongst the apostles because all the early church really was just Jewish. But he says, I want to go to Jerusalem because I want to make sure this love offering gets to where it's supposed to go. Um, Therefore, have I performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain, or so he says. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come to you in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of, of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judah who do not believe and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be, be refreshed together with you. And this is pretty much the end of the book of Romans right here. Now the God of peace be with you, amen. Now in other words, this is Paul's prayer request and it's twofold. His life was in jeopardy from unbelievers in Judea, the religious rulers. He wanted to be delivered from them. And secondly, the church in Jerusalem might be hesitant at accepting a gift from Gentiles. And he wanted them to accept it. Now, both requests were answered. Somebody says yes, uh, but he was arrested, right? but he was immediately put into the hands of the Romans and was enabled uh, to appear before um, kings. And finally, he actually appeared before Caesar in Rome, which was the fulfillment of the will of God for the Apostle Paul. Well, here's, here's how it goes, and we'll read it in Acts 28 a little bit later. But um, Paul made it, to Caesarea, one of the most beautiful places on the planet, on the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, while he was there, um, accusations were brought against him, and um, um, he was in prison there for two years, but they were going to judge him by these religious Jewish leaders from Jerusalem, so Paul put his foot down and he says, I'm a Roman, and I appeal to Rome. And if you're a Roman, you got the right to do that. And so he says, I appeal to Caesar. What, what does that mean? It means none of you guys can judge me. I'm a Roman, and because I'm a Roman, I can appeal to Caesar. And he's gotta listen to me because just for the fact Uh, the hierarchy in the Roman culture. If you were Roman, you had all these uh, benefits and one of them, if you were charged with something, you could take it to the Supreme Court, so to speak. Which gets me back to what you're not gonna hear on the CBS Evening News. (laughs) Do you know that as, as of the 31st of this last month, that landlords were supposed to be able to get um, their money from 
government subsidies that have been given to rent, renters, that was supposed to come to an end, and so that the people who own the property um, uh, would be able to get money. That didn't happen. Even though it was passed by the Supreme Court, Biden just blew him right off. And he's continuing with this. So that's how out of control our government is right now. Supreme Court said, nope. Um, this last 31st, before we entered into July 31st, that was the end of it. Supreme Court decision. And that's not, what hap- that's not what's happening. He's not listening to the Supreme Court. How many of you have heard this besides me? Good, quite a few, quite a few of you. So that's how out of control our country is right now. But uh, I would apply it to the authority that was in play. If you appealed to Rome, then to Rome you went. So he's two years in Caesarea, and now he's on his way to Rome. In chapter 16, um, well, let me just read a little bit here in verse 32 of um, of. 15 before we get to 16. <clears throat> did, Paul, did Paul find rest and refreshment in Rome? Well, the answer is debatable. He did find this and more beyond in Rome when he entered in the presence of the Lord. He wrote near the end of his life to Timothy, his son in the faith, where he says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. Now he's writing this right before he's about to be martyred. He's writing this to Timothy. And not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Now the God of peace be with you all, sort of the benediction. The God of peace shows that Paul's experienced peace in prison. Uh, he was sort of under house arrest, and I'll read that when we get to uh, the book of Acts. Sort of under house arrest, and um, Paul, Paul's experience um, peace in prison, in chains, in the storm, and in shipwrecks, And I pray that you and I might have that same kind of peace in our lives. Chapter 16, um, first couple verses deal, and I didn't, I learned this about Phoebe today, and the first person we're gonna be um, mentioned of, let's just read verse one and two. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sanchera, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Let me tell you a little, just a little bit about Phoebe that I actually learned myself today. Phoebe is the first believer mentioned in this. Uh, another catalog 
of the heroes of the faith. She was a Gentile, and her name, as her name indicates, as I have already stated, there were many Gentiles in the church at Rome. She was named from the Greek goddess Artemis or Diana, who is a Greek mythology, was the goddess of the moon, as her brother Apollo was the god of the sun. Many believers adopted new names at baptism, but for some reason Phoebe kept her heathen name for some reasons. Now, when we were in Rome, oh, that's a long time ago, over 20, maybe 25 years ago, um, we did have an Israeli tour guide. We had a woman tour guide, and her name was Helen. And she wasn't a Christian, so all she would talk about were the Greek gods. And we'd stop here, and she would talk about the Greek gods. And, and then she'd go to another place and talk about another Greek god. All it was was Greek gods, Greek gods, Greek gods. So we decided we would change her name. Instead of Helen, we called her Myth Helen. Think about it. <laughs> because we couldn't wait to get to Mars Hill um, where Paul preached the gospel. And so when we got to Mars Hill, which is an A spot, the first Olympics were in Athens. We went to the very place where that was held. So there was a lot of good stuff to see as far as, as, far as a tourist. It's the only time I've ever, ever been in an earthquake. Sidewalk cafe, just sipping my joe, and all of a sudden it was just bam, just like that. And I thought, what in the world was that? And all of a sudden, all these people started running out of the building. And they're, they're looking around, and I'm going, I think that we just had an earthquake. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, the only earthquake was just that quick. It was that quick, and then it was over, and I, everybody went back inside after they felt it was safe. But here, um, evidently, um, Phoebe is called a servant of the church, which means... Um, she had a place, the Greek word is for this was actually a deaconess. It's the same word used for deacon. It reveals the fact that women occupied a very prominent place in the early church. My point here is the first one that Paul mentions. So she had to have a lot of respect from Paul because I know he has a lot of respect for the next one that he's gonna mention in three and four. And that is Priscilla and Aquila says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers who risk their own necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles. All right, let's just stop there. I'm gonna have you turn to Acts chapter 18 and um, pick up the first uh, six verses here or so. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth which I believe is where the book to the Romans was actually written. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, uh, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, 
So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked by occupation as they were with tent makers. So when he meets Priscilla and Aquila, and the reason they hit it off so much, uh, you've heard the terminology about being a tent maker when you're early in ministry. In other words, the fellowship can't afford to pay a salary or anything like that, so basically, Paul was being a tent maker. Well, he found Priscilla and Aquila, they were tent makers too. So they went into business together, making tents. And um, uh, I'll just leave it with the, well, let's read through verse six. And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. While Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was constrained by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garment and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean, now catch this, from now on I will go to the Gentiles. That's an important verse here um, because this would become, as, as we get into Romans, four times, remember we quoted in chapter um, 15, he quotes that the Lord was gonna call the Gentiles. Now the rest of our chapter here, I'll read verse five. Likewise, greet the church that is in their houses. Uh, greet my beloved um, Epaphitus, who is the first fruits of Achaia, to Christ. Greet Mary and labor much for us. Now, if you look at these verses from seven all the way to um, 16, um, you see all those names? You go right ahead and read them. Because <laughs> um, uh, they're real tough to pronounce, but basically there's 35 of them. And he's giving special greeting and mentioning them by name. And what I want you to get out of this as he's writing and closing up his letter to the Romans, the connection that was made through his ministry was not just one at preaching or teaching, but it was building relationships with these people. And now he's not gonna close this letter without making it really personal. And he starts out with Phoebe. And he, I'm familiar with Priscilla and Aquila and, and, um, and some of these others here. But I'm gonna skip ahead to verse 16 where it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brother, note those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So now he's talking about loving the true brethren and greeting them with a holy kiss and greet them, and then on the other hand, he says, but I want you to be careful for those that might cause division. And I want you to avoid them, verse 17. For those who are such do not serve our Lord. In other words, they have another agenda. Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by, I like the smooth words and flattering speech, uh, deceive the hearts of the simple. 
for your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And a God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet shortly. And the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. I've read the end of the book. I know what happens to him. In the meantime, we read about the temptation of Christ and when he ended all of his temptations, what does it say? He left him until a more convenient time. What that tells me is he's not gonna leave you alone until we're out of here. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the resistant part has to be there. The Bible says hold up the shield of faith which will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. The Bible calls him a slanderer. So what is his job? It says in Revelation 12 that he accuses me and you before the throne. That's what he's doing right now. He's, He's the accuser of the brethren. But he says you can quench the fiery darts by holding up the shield of faith. Um, you got three voices speaking to you at all times. And the way that you can discern which is which is by this book. Because Satan knows how to quote scripture. And he quoted scripture to Jesus. Jesus would just quote the scriptures right back, but in the proper context. So the accuser of the brethren um, is one voice that you'll be hearing. How do you know if it's from the Lord or not? Well, does it line up with with what the word of God says. He likes to play with emotions. As we read here earlier, he likes to deal with the simple um, by smooth words and flattering speech, deceiving the hearts of the simple. That's another way of saying getting to you emotionally rather than biblically. The other voice that you're gonna have is your own personal thoughts. You have a free will. I have a free will. And sometimes I tell myself, Dwight, I'm gonna give yourself a good talking to. (laughs) And uh, that's me talking to me. Um, And then of course there's the Holy Spirit that um, speaks to us. And um, we discern that what the Bible calls that still small voice. And we're, we're to know that still small voice and to say yes uh, when it's the Holy Spirit that's there. So that's what Paul is uh, sort of ending this up with. Um, Satan has his time, and I think he's setting the stage to um, release the Antichrist onto the world that's already set up for him. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 that there's a restraining force that's in the world today that's stopping all hell from breaking loose. And that's the church of Jesus Christ, true believers. We're restraining. We're, gonna, we're saying things like this. I'm not sending my kid to public schools anymore. With the stuff that they're teaching, no way. I'm homeschooling. I quite honestly can't understand why any born again Christian could ever send their kid to a public school again after you find out what they're teaching those kids in school. And it's a tough thing because 
Some families have to have two people working in order to pay the mortgage. And it's a tough decision to make. But I think it should be getting easier and easier and easier all the time because of just how bad and evil it really is. Imagine what it's going to be like when we're not here. And that restraint is removed. And then that says, and then that wicked one shall be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with his power when he comes. 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and we could all say amen here except I want to close in the last chapter of Acts 28 and just make a comment and talk about when he wrote Timothy, for I know that the time of my departure is at hand. And I want to read from Fox's Book of Martyrs right now how the Apostle Paul died. In verse 16 of 28, it says, Now when we came to Rome, okay, here he is. He finally makes it to Rome. After two years in prison in Caesarea, now when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain, to the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. Can you imagine being chained up to the Apostle Paul and not getting saved? (laughs) And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to the men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our father, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've called for you to see you and to speak with you. Because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came report spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think concerning this sect, for we know that it's spoken against everywhere. So when they had pointed him a day, many came to him at at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God, persuading them, how? Concerning Jesus through the book of the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So don't you dare ever say I'll go too long on Sunday morning. (laughs) And some were persuaded by these things which were spoken and some believed. And some, when they did not agree amongst themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet, our father, saying, again, now he's gonna quote the Old Testament, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and you shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. 
for the heart of the people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I could heal them. And let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute amongst themselves. Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Paul died at the age of 67. And here's a paragraph from Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'll close with this tonight. Paul the Apostle, who before was called Saul, after his great travail in unspeakable labors in promoting the gospel of Christ, suffered also in his first persecution under Nero. Nero sent two of his men to bring him word of his death. They, coming to Paul, instructing the people, desired him to pray for them, that they might believe, who told them that shortly after that they should believe and be baptized at his sepulcher. This done, the soldiers came, led him out of the city to the place of execution, where he, after his prayer made, gave his neck to the sword at the age of 67 in 57 AD. And so we end the book of Romans by reading the end of the book of Acts where Paul actually makes it there. Amen? Let's stand and we'll close the prayer. Lord, we thank you for the book of Romans and the example and witness that this um, Jewish man had whom I'm very looking forward to meeting someday. And so as we conclude the book of Romans, Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless our chapter by chapter and verse by verse study through your word. And um, as we go our way tonight, we close as we began in praying for what appears to be unfolding in the Middle East, um, the fulfillment of Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus. Surely, the Ezekiel 38 wars on the horizon could actually be the beginning of it. So you ask us to pray for your people in closing tonight, Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for your people. And um, pray that you would be with them in the storm that they're in right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.